Hi there. I just wanted to drop in for a moment to let you all know how often the podcast was going to be coming out. I realized I never said. Originally, I had planned to put this podcast out every two weeks. I have a few other projects and being a mom to three children, I need to be a little more careful with my time. I'm really excited about this podcast, but for now, I'm going to stick with the every two weeks, except for this time. To keep up the momentum, I wanted to put out the final episode of what I'm considering as my origin story of becoming a special needs mom. So this episode today is about when we got Freya's diagnosis. Next week's episode, we get to hear someone else's story. A lovely friend of mine sat down with me and shared her family's journey. I don't think you want to miss it. A good way to ensure that you don't, and to help others find this podcast, is to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You'll see when you go to the podcast, there'll be a little uh, button next to it that says subscribe, at least on iTunes. Click on that. Also, if you want to leave a review or rate the podcast, all of this helps a podcast get seen by others. It helps us grow, helps us expand this community. So the show will be back next week with Jesse, and then every two weeks after that. For now, here's our diagnosis story. Thanks for being here. Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support, a safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive. And when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Welcome back to Walking with Freya. This is episode four. If you've listened to the first three, I just want to say thank you for hanging in here with me as I try and navigate how to tell my story in front of a microphone while sitting in a closet by myself. Uh, If this is your first time tuning in, maybe check out those first couple episodes. You'll get my intention with this podcast and kind of the beginning of our of our backstory. This episode today is the as I'm thinking of it, it's like the last of my origin story, my origins of becoming a special needs mom. This is my diagnosis story or our diagnosis story for our family. So after I share the diagnosis story, I'm going to read a poem to you the first poem I ever wrote about Freya not specifically about Prada Willie but about being a special needs parent mostly about that moment when you become a parent of a special needs child or you that you learn that you are one I don't anyway so just stay tuned after that and then after the poem I'm going to talk about the more clinical side of Prader willi syndrome. That's another thing that I want to do with this podcast is educate each other about the different issues that our children have, the different diagnoses. And so I'm going to start with Prader willi syndrome. So for those of you who don't really know what it is, aren't familiar with it, um, yeah, stay through to the end and I will, I'll give you some highlights and I'll tell you where to go to find more information if you're interested. 
So to start, the last episode I talked about the time between, as I was calling it, which is the time between her birth and the time between getting the diagnosis, which was one of the more terrifying parts of this journey. There is something liberating about getting a diagnosis because then you have answers and you can form a plan of action. I got the call on a Friday night at 8 p.m. I never understood why her doctor chose not to wait until Monday morning. Allow us one more weekend free from the confines of the diagnosis. One more weekend to imagine our daughter's future totally free, full of possibilities and unknown paths. Perhaps he thought some of our worries and fears of the unknown would be assuaged with the diagnosis. That we wanted the answers as soon as possible. Perhaps he was not thinking of anything other than just needing to pass on the information. My mother-in-law was in town, and it was her, my eldest daughter, who was seven at the time, Freya and myself at our house. I don't recall the moment when the phone rang. I don't remember the date or where Freya was at the moment, though it feels like I should. But I do remember sitting on my bed, secluded in my room, as the doctor gave me the news. prouder Willie syndrome. Of all the things they had tested her for, this was the bad one, as we saw it. The one we absolutely did not want, nor could imagine dealing with. All the other ones, mostly metabolic disorders, seemed manageable. prouder Willie syndrome did not. The testing in itself was a nightmare. See, on Thanksgiving, we had found a giant lump on Freya's neck and spent that long weekend thinking we had found the cause of her weakness, a tumor. Thankfully, an ultrasound determined it was just a cyst, but the doctor suggested blood work. Now, my baby was six and a half pounds. They couldn't take her into the only NICU up in our area for the poke, so we had to settle for the regular phlebotomist at the lab. The first day we went in, they stuck her six times, six times, between three people. It took everything I had not to punch the last one. They asked me to come back in a few days when she was more hydrated, but see, my baby could not get enough liquid into her at once to get her hydrated enough. But still, I took her back two days later. I let them stick her twice, and then I said, that was enough. Her pediatrician finally had to perform a femoral stick in the birth center under the helping hands of a few nurses and my husband. I had decided I could not be in the room for that. I walked down the hall, and I heard her screams as they performed it. Up to that point, I had not known nor heard her yell that loud. I honestly don't even remember what the blood work was for. But what came next was a discussion on getting her genetics tested down at UCSF. So we made the appointment, went about our lives, and eventually drove the five hours south. We walked into the pediatric lab in terror. I was devastated that we would have to poke my daughter again. But when we walked into that lab with our then almost eight-pound baby, the phlebotomist did not bat an eye. Some friendly smiles, gentle words, and one needle stick later she was done i think i cried a few tears while my husband thanked and praised her in the clinic at ucsf the geneticist who was a soon-to-be retiring prader willie specialist mentioned that our daughter did not have the look of a prader willie baby 
nor had she spent time in the NICU with a feeding tube as many do. They were testing her for Prader-Willi syndrome because of her hypotonia. That was all. I clung to that. I would wonder later, hope even, as I sorted through the grief-led denial, if they had given us the wrong test results. So, back to that fateful Friday night. It was with a little shock and a lot of fear and anguish that I listened to the diagnosis. Prader-Willi syndrome. After I hung up the phone, it was my oldest daughter that came into the room first. I wish I could say that I held up as any strong, stoic mother would, that I kept the full burden of my grief hidden behind perhaps a few controlled tears, but I didn't. She came over to where I was sitting on the bed to ask me what was wrong, and I hugged her hard, sobbing some of that grief onto her shoulders. She is a strong one, our haven. I know that I pulled myself together and made some phone calls. The only phone call I remember was to one of my oldest and dearest friends. She had worked in a home for disabled adult men, one of them with Prader-Willi syndrome. I gave her the news and listened quietly as she sobbed into the phone. I did not call Freya's dad. This was not the kind of news to get over the phone. The next morning, we packed up and drove out to our property where he was. We made one last stop at a store right before we were going to lose service for the hour and a half drive. It was then that I remembered the doctor telling me that the geneticist would be calling that day. I wanted to warn my husband without alarming him, but I failed. I called to let him know that the geneticist would be calling and that we would see him soon. He knew then. As soon as I said she was calling. That's Prader-Willi syndrome, isn't it? <sighs> yes. So here is one of the many very important lessons we learned in all of this. When the doctor had first suggested we head to UCSF to do genetic testing, we asked him, why bother? If it's genetic, then there's nothing we can do. I realize now the absurdity and naivety of this statement. There is so much to do. There are therapies, supplements, medicines, support groups, education, so much to do. The beauty of that overwhelming fact is that it means there can be so much hope. When the geneticist got on the phone, she stressed two major things. Stimulation and not to read anything on the internet unless it was from the association's website. Babies with hypotonia are mellow. They sleep, they don't fuss, they don't cry. They could seem like the ideal baby. But all of that laying around and not being stimulated is spent not learning, not growing, not developing. Apparently, it used to be that the advice of doctors was to let them be and eventually... They would start waking up, moving around, developing, albeit slowly. Now they know just how important it is to get the baby moving, interacting, playing, looking around, learning, growing, and developing. So that's what we did. We went the route of vibrating chairs with music and flashing lights, toys that crinkled, had texture and bright colors. We spoke to her, sang to her, took her on walks, and woke her up if she slept too long. 
the saying around the house was, who's stimulating the baby? Then came therapies, supplements, medicine, doubt, fear we weren't doing enough, constant questioning, existential realizations, and and all various parts of the journey. But that is all a different, different episode. <laughs> For now, I just want to close this part off by saying that I would urge anyone with questions about their child's development to seek professional advice. If you have any questions, any concerns, don't think that, that there's nothing to do, that it just is what it is. Maybe sometimes it is, but I bet there's a lot that you can do to help play with your baby, get them outside, sing to them, tell them stories, get them moving. These acts are such a crucial part of a child's development, whether typical or not, really, typically developing or not. Give your babies the love and attention they need and watch them grow. So that's a brief story of our diagnosis. I don't know that it really changed anything right away other than just the initial fear and sorrow or the initial fear and grief. Like I said, it was also liberating and empowering to have answers to know, okay, this is what we can do. So the first poem that I wrote about Freya, that's what I would like to share with you. It's called Kintsugi, which is a Japanese art form, which I've never actually done. <laughs> I have to full disclosure. I've never actually done this art form, but I read it. I think I saw a meme about it on Facebook. Um, and it just so, it was so beautiful and res- really resonated with me. So I went and looked it up and did a little research. This art form is taking broken pieces of pottery and clay and gluing them back together using gold and silver and bronze. The idea being that the object is more beautiful for having been broken. So this is called Kintsugi and dedicated to all the special needs parents out there. Like veterans home from a brutal war, we seek each other out because ours is a truth that few understand. What it feels like to hear that your child is broken. To hold them and feel a life force so weak you fear their death. To sit in a sterilized room with a stranger telling you who your child will be based on one tiny, minuscule deletion of their DNA. And then to be cast adrift onto a turbulent sea of fear and doubt and know that you must hoist the sails and guide this vessel home despite your ignorance of the prevailing winds. We have lived through the battle of having our child's future shattered in that one blazing moment of diagnosis, our shock-filled eyes slowly registering the shimmering glass-like fragments scattered about our feet, tears mixing with blood seeping from wounds suffered in the explosion, wounds becoming scars there to remind us always of this moment. And we have lived through the aftermath, the dawning realization of the destruction at our feet and the undeniable knowledge that it is now our job to pick up those pieces one by one, fit them imperfectly back together, bind them with gold and glue, tears, determination, and small triumphs so that our child's future is now a work of art 
a sculpture of love to show them they have a place in this world. As my daughter and I walk the halls and the myriad of doctors and specialists, I see the new parents with their babies. The shock, the sorrow, the worry etch deep into the lines of their faces as we step carefully amongst the broken shards of their child's future. And I want to tell them of my daughter and her life, the way the sunlight is refracted so beautifully off of the pieces we have bound together. But there are no words to that sorrow, to that grief, no words that do not sound empty. So instead I smile and let my soulful daughter go to them and look upon their baby with a sincere, open delight that brings people to love her so easily. I smile and hope that they see what I see, the beauty of the perfect imperfections of someone who was never, never truly broken. The uh, first time I performed that poem, I perform regularly at a place, um, at a local place. The first time I performed that poem was the first time that Freya's speech therapist came to Poetry Night. And I came down off the mic from doing that poem and she stood up and came over to me and just hugged me and cried. It was really beautiful. Okay, so now I want to just get into some of the basic facts of Prader-Willi syndrome. This will be the first installment of, I haven't come up with a catchy name yet. So this information is from pwsausa.org. Prader-Willi Syndrome Association USA. This was the one site we were allowed to look on when we got the diagnosis. I mean, of course, they couldn't stop us, but they really stressed don't just don't go to a lot of the random sites or the history or or anything like that because there's it can be really overwhelming. And even on in the Facebook pages, they break it up by age because each or, you know, by, yeah, kind of age group, because each group has such distinct challenges. And if you start at the beginning and look at the whole spectrum of possibilities of ways that Prader-Willi syndrome can manifest, it can really be overwhelming. And so you take it step by step, one day at a time, as they say. And it's amazing when I look back now, I think of of even just telling the story of the time between before her diagnosis, all of that, that three and a half months, just how overwhelming and terrifying it all was. And now to be in a place with a six-year-old and there's so much laughter and, and peace in our house. And that's not something that I thought that we were ever going to have again. And that's not to say that I look forward to the future as if it's all going to be okay and it's all going to be worked out I mean I I I now have new fears and new stresses and I worry about different things but each time you kind of get through an obstacle and you come out the other side and 
and you realize, oh, wow, okay, we can do this. Take a deep breath. Okay, next step forward. So, yes, that's why they stressed get the right information and don't go don't dig too deep yet just be with your baby stimulate your baby keep her keep her moving keep her keep her activated keep her little mind going but enjoy her and love her and don't think about the challenges that you're going to be facing as she's an adult and i also this as i was looking on their website to get some of the facts straight i came across this statistic that i really want to put out there and I want to stress this statistic because this kind of blew me away quote approximately 65% of people with Prader-Willi syndrome are unknown to PWSA USA and not receiving needed services end quote I wonder how many undiagnosed children there are out there that could hugely benefit from a diagnosis, from receiving the services, from the education that their parents could get or their caregivers could get. So I want to go back to what I said earlier, the stressing if if you have any concerns of your child's development, you know, don't be afraid to seek a professional to go to the doctor. My husband and I we're a little reluctant at first, not reluctant out of fear, but just like, well, you know, what can we do? What is there to do if it's a genetic disorder? And I'm here to say there's a lot. So, and just to, to know that over half are undiagnosed, it's heartbreaking, really. Okay, some of the basic facts. PWS, now I can throw that out there. Prader-Willi syndrome, you can short it to PWS. PWS can occur in any family, both sexes and all races. It occurs in about 1 in 12,000 to 15,000 people and cannot be prevented. Most cases are attributed to a spontaneous genetic error that occurs at or near the time of conception for unknown reasons. Less than 2% occur from a genetic mutation that does not affect the parents, it can be passed on to the child. Also, a PWS-like disorder can be acquired after birth if the hypothalamus portion of the brain is damaged. PWS is due to the lack of several genes on one of the 15 chromosomes, the one normally contributed by the father. In the majority of cases, there is a deletion. Prader-Willi syndrome can be considered a spectrum disorder because... There are a range of manifest of ways that it manifests, or a range of characteristics, and those also range in difference in uh, in severities. You know, um, Freya did not walk until she was two and a half, and I think her big motivation for walking then was that she had a little sister who started walking. I know that I've read on. Uh, Facebook page and things like that. I've read of of seven, eight-year-olds that are not walking. There were also children walking before Freya. So that's just an example of the spectrum disorder. There are some kids that um, have to be fed with a feeding tube. I think that's actually the majority of babies need to get on a feeding tube in the beginning because they have that failure to thrive. And I know I've read of some 
kid still using the feeding tube at like two years old and Freya never used one so there's that's another part of the spectrum so they break Prader-Willi syndrome up into four phases there's the first phase which is in utero and increase characterized by decreased fetal movements birth weight and length first phase is the infant it is hypotonic and not obese and they break that up into a couple of different phases second main phase occurs when the weight starts to increase and crosses percentile lines in the normal weight curve this generally begins between 18 to 36 months of age third phase is a development of the insatiable appetite accompanied by an intense or relentless food seeking this is the classic phase most people typically associate with PWS, but its onset is actually quite variable in PWS. It may appear as early as 3 years of age or as late as 15 years of age. This phase can be managed by the presence of appropriate environmental interventions and psychological food security. So this is the big thing they stress about locking the food away, making sure your child does not have access to food. Um, that isn't supervised. Um, my daughter is not, at six years old, my daughter is not a huge food seeker, but she will, if food is left out, she will, she will take it. She, and she knows to hide. So, um, already in kindergarten, she's, uh, twice eaten out of the compost now. So, um, you gotta really, that, that's the biggest issue that's the one that everybody knows and along with that is the decrease in their metabolism I believe that is because of the low muscle tone so I know that on the very severe end some adults can only handle about 600 calories a day to maintain their weight without gaining weight which is not a lot I mean many of us could eat 600 calories in a meal and there are a lot of behavior issues that come along with the food seeking or with the with the insatiable hunger. I mean, just imagine we all get cranky when we're hungry and just imagine feeling like that all the time with no way of of stopping it, no way of of appeasing that very innate feeling and desire and urge. So I know some have issues with eloping they call it some of the stuff I've I just know there's a lot that I know just from uh being on the Facebook pages and hearing about it but I haven't experienced a lot of some of the stuff so fourth phase may occur in later adulthood when an individual who was previously in phase three no longer has an insatiable appetite and can feel full this is, I think, Shangri-La, perhaps, of the phases of the disorder. It only occurs in, I'm in a minority of people with Prader-Willi syndrome. Most adults will remain in phase three, but there is potential. There is a potential light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. So some of the typical characteristics of Prader-Willi syndrome include low muscle tone, motor development delays, short stature, if not treated with growth hormone, incomplete sexual development. The average IQ is 70, but even those with normal IQs almost always have learning difficulties or differences. 
Children with PWS can be sweet and loving, but they display characteristics of the Proud or Willie personality that can cause social and behavioral problems. They also have many complex and unique medical issues. Ooh, let's get to that. I carry around a emergency alert book with me wherever I go. I don't use it so much anymore. I used it <laughs> I used it a lot more and that's what they say. There's a there's a range of medical issues and you gotta really be on it. And some of the things that they say, uh, you know, these kids can they have a high pain threshold, they they don't typically get fevers. The big thing is the gastrointestinal stuff. So any kind of diarrhea or vomiting tends to be really alarming. And we've taken Frey into the emergency room before a few times, once in Mexico, uh, for just that, for diarrhea, vomiting, fever. And she's always been fine. The issue with the gastrointestinal issues are it's easy. They can often get blockages in their intestines. And even if they're pooping, even if they're, there's, there's actually a poop chart, which I had in my emergency book for a while. It was a poop chart of like the eight different kinds of poop, you know, and there's like the drawing and the description of what's okay and what's not okay. And anyway, so you got to really know your poop and, or your kid's poop and you got to know you got to know the changes. You got to really know any kind of abdominal pain. I mean, I don't have to keep talking about poop. If you have concerns, get a doctor. Go to your doctor. This I recommend checking out this website. If you would like to know more, I don't need to sit here and read it all to you. But if you would like to know more, pwsausa.org. They will let you know all you need to know. I think the thing is that I know so much about this disorder because it's what my daughter has. So I I know all the little things that I just want to go into, but we'll just keep it simple. So I'll keep it at this. These are the basics. And yeah, this is where you go to find out more. So we're going to leave it at that. I would love to hear your stories. I'd love to read your poetry. I'd love to have the chance to get to know you all better and learn more about your kids and how you handle it all. So, again, the email, walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. Send me an email or check out the Facebook group, Walking With Freya. Take care and thanks for listening.